This is the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. If you want to see people squirm and get uncomfortable, talk about giving. While I don't think it ranks up there with religion and politics, I think it may rank among the most awkward and uncomfortable topics, especially within the church. Jesus spoke of giving frequently, though. He knew that our actions pour out from what's in our hearts, including and maybe even especially our giving. As God's people journeyed through the wilderness, he began to shape and form them, giving them instructions and commandments by which they were to live. Some of those instructions were about giving to the poor, to our neighbors, and to God. A lot can be told about us by how we treat others, regardless of whether they're our neighbors or brothers or sisters, friends or family. And a lot can be told about us by how and what we give to them and to God. Today we look at Exodus 22 and some of these instructions about how we treat the marginalized and what we give to them and what we give to God. seems like if we think about measuring ourselves or measuring um, how we're doing, there's lots of different things that we can use, and and they're not always good. I've always thought to myself that at any given time, we can compare ourselves to somebody else, and we can either look really, really good or, or really, really bad. And so that's probably not the best metric to ask ourselves, you know, how are we doing, and, and how do we measure up? What are the metrics that people use to measure us? What are the metrics that um, we use to measure ourselves as well? And are those things valid or are they unreasonable? When we consider what that looks like. Um, What are the things as followers of Christ, those who consider ourselves to be disciples of Jesus, um, what are the things that distinguish us from the people around us? I, I read a book recently talking about um, keeping Christianity weird, and you think about those bumper stickers in, in certain of the big cities, like Portland and other cities, where it says, keep Portland weird, or whatever, and think about keep Christianity weird. Now, I, I grew up in the church, and um, the weird of Christianity was probably not always the best uh, moniker for for Christianity because it wasn't necessarily a good weird. Um, It was a bad weird, and I could go on forever about that, but what what is it that distinguishes us as followers of Christ um, from the people around us, and what are the defining characteristics of us? We've been journeying through Exodus and looking at the people of God on this journey from Egypt in captivity and bondage and into the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And we begin to see God laying out expectations for them of who they are to be. He's called them out from among all the other nations and said, you are to be my people. And now he he begins to give them instructions of what that looks like. What that looks like um, in in being weird, really. And how do they distinguish themselves from other people? And how do you measure up? 
J.K. Rowling, uh, who you may be familiar with, the, the author of Harry Potter, she, she said, if you want to see the true measure of a man, watch how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. And Greek philosopher Plato said, the measure of a man is what he does with power. Think about uh, in our current society, our current culture, there's so much talk about power, there's talk about privilege, but what do we do with those things? How do we use privilege? How do we use power, not for our own benefit, but in how we treat the people around us, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, and even in particular, those who are marginalized, those who are on the edge of society? How do we represent ourselves, and how do we represent God to those people that we interact with? What's our posture in giving to the people around us, to the stranger, to the, our neighbor, to our family, and then to God as well. As we've read through Exodus, we've seen a lot of practical lessons from the experiences that God's people have gone through. And now God begins to define for his people how they're to carry themselves. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 22, reading in the New International Version. That's what will be on the screen next to me. So if you have a different version, know there may be some nuances with the words. But starting in verse 21 of Exodus chapter 22, we read this. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless, if you do and they cry out to me, I'll certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused. I'll kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I'll hear, for I am compassionate. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. Do not hold back offerings from your granaries or your vats. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day, and you are to be my holy people. So do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild beasts. Throw it to the dogs. Now remember where the Israelites are when they're getting this message from God. They're traveling to their new home. They're in the middle of the wilderness, and God speaks to them. They were used to being foreigners. They had been foreigners in Egypt. And so God, as he's speaking about how they treat other foreigners, he reminds them, which I think we all need to be reminded time to time from what, where it is that we've come. And that's what God does. He reminds them, hey, remember, you were foreigners. So be conscious of that fact when you encounter other foreigners. And then he's pretty harsh in his words, too, as far as what, how they treat widows and orphans. Basically saying that if you don't treat them well, then um, your family is going to end up as one of them, you know, as widows or orphans. But those quotes that I quoted before from 
J.K. Rowling from Plato, those are significant things in reminding us that we're measured by how we treat those around us and not specifically those who are kind of on the same level as us socially or economically, but how do we treat those who aren't on the same level, who may be on the margins of society? God says if we treat them poorly, then we'll find ourselves in that same place. You know, continuing on in this passage, God gives more specific details about how to treat one another. Verse 25, it says, if you treat one of my people, God's taking ownership and possession of people and saying, if there's somebody who is destitute among you and they cry out, I'll hear them. I'll be compassionate towards them, and I'll give them what they need. When it comes to the needy among us, if we give them money, whether we have, uh, whether to have or to borrow, we shouldn't treat it like a business deal. And some of us, as soon as it comes to money, we can really get consumed and start thinking about, okay, now what's going to happen with this? And what happens? I've seen some people who are very specific um, when they give money to someone and say, hey, I want you to use it for this, this, or this. And if you don't, well, I'm going to take it back. And I've thought about that over the years, and I've wondered, like, is that my plan? If, if the Holy Spirit lives and moves inside of me as a follower of Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit prompts me to be uh, generous to somebody else, do I trust that that same Holy Spirit is working in the life of the person that I give that to and that they're going to use it the way that they need to? And am I going to be okay if I give something to someone and they don't use it the way that I think they should? That's probably one of the hardest things for, for those of us with means to do, to give something to someone with no strings attached and to say, hey, use it for whatever. We'd love for you to use it for something good and beneficial, but do we put strings on that when we give it to them and tell them, hey, this is how you need to use this? The, the example that's used here in Exodus 22 as far as loaning money is that when you take a loan out, there's some kind of collateral. And if somebody comes to you and the only thing that they have to give you for collateral is their cloak. Now, I don't think any of us are wearing cloaks around, but, you know, if that's the only thing that they have, then we'll take it from them as a gesture, and then by the end of the day, we'll give it back to them. What does that look like for us in the 21st century? If we know that somebody's destitute, that somebody has only a little, and they give everything that they have, and for a collateral on a loan, they give us basically the shirt off their back. God's saying, give it back to them. Give them dignity in, in what they have. Now, don't take everything from them. Give it back to them by sunset. The Hebrew word here for giving is translated as neighbor can also mean brother. And so 
What does that look like for us? And how do we treat those who are brothers? And do we make a distinction between somebody that we call a neighbor versus somebody that we call a brother? When we loan money or we give money, do we think of it as a business transaction, which God says here is not what we're supposed to do? Commentator Jay Meyer says this. He says, a nation careless of its disadvantaged will not be allowed to survive. Just think about that for a minute. You know, how we treat those who find themselves on the margins is going to dictate our survival. And whether or not um, we, we will continue on. And so how do we treat those who are down and out? In the, the final section of this passage, we look at what God's people are called to give to God. We talk about loaning money or giving money. We talk about um, how we're treating the widows and, and orphans. And now it comes to what? how are we treating God? With the things that we have, what are we giving to him? Because it's an indicator of our character, of who we are, as we not only give to other people, but in, in what and how we give to God. The first thing God says here is don't blaspheme God or curse the ruler of our people. We could spend lots of time on that second phrase. We're not going to go there this morning, but specifically thinking about what that looks like and what does it mean to blaspheme, well, to speak irreverently towards God. If we scroll back a couple of chapters in Exodus, we see where God gave his people the Ten Commandments. And among those Ten Commandments uh, is the command to not take the name of the Lord in vain. We can't treat God as just a word. We can't treat him the way that, unfortunately, we may treat other people. We're to treat him with reverence and how we speak and how we act towards him, towards what we give and how we give it to him. And then there's instructions about what we give to God and when we give it to God. And, and the specific instruction is don't hold back. The word here means to delay. So don't delay your offering, your, your giving to God. When it comes to giving back to God, the, the question that we might ask is, well, what? What, what are we to give? We give of our firstborn and our livestock now. I know there's at least one person here who actually has livestock that they, they can give. But, but for the most part, we don't have livestock that we're not going to say, okay, let me go in my backyard and, and get my cows and I'm going to give God my, my first and my best. But when it comes to all the things that we have, all the things that God's given us, do we say right off the bat, I'm going to give you my best God. I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going to give you a sacrifice, a pledge. The word is delay here. And I think when it comes to giving back to God, when it comes to even giving to other people, do we delay, do we hold off? I know that the whole idea of giving for me has been such a journey. When I was younger and, and less mature than I am now, I remember that, 
There were times that I'd say, okay, well, here's what I want to do. Let me lay all this out and let me go ahead and, and pay money for this, pay money for this. And then at the end of the day, if there was anything left over, then I'd say, okay, God, this is yours. Like, here's what I've, I've got left. You can have it. And then there would be some times where, where I would get to the end of that and I'd say, oh, you know what? I don't really have anything left. And so I, I'm not going to give you anything, God. But if we really think about it, everything that we have has come from God. And so he owns it all anyway. It's, it's a gesture in some ways to give back to him a portion of what he's given to us. That's what he calls us to. But how do we do that? Do we give him first? Do we give him best? Or do we give him second and, and we delay, we wait and say, ah, you know, I'll give when the time is right. I'll give when I feel like I've got enough. Over the years, as Carrie and I have journeyed through this idea of giving, um, God stretched our faith. And we've talked in times of our lives where things felt tight. And we said, you know, we're just going to trust we're going to trust that, hey, well, God's going to continue to provide. We think about what we've talked about, even in, in the people of God in Exodus. God was supplying their needs every day. They, they weren't storing up lots of things. Remember the story of the manna, that, that God was giving them just enough for that day, except for the day before the Sabbath. But for the most part, he gave them just enough. They couldn't see the five-year plan. They couldn't see the 10-year plan. All they could see was that day. And they had to trust and say, okay, God, like, this is all that you've given us. And we're going to trust that you're going to give back. And when we come to that place in our lives, it's a stretch. It's a place where we have to say, okay, God, I, I, I trust you, but I need you to give me more faith here. I need you to help me here. And so how much do we give? It's clear we should be giving God our first and our best. But how much of it? You know, there are certain places in, in the Bible that talk about giving 10% of, of what we have back to God. In the Gospels, Jesus encounters a man who he says, hey, sell off everything you have and give it back to me. I think that story of Jesus in the gospel was more about that man and where his heart was because his heart was with all of his treasure. And that's why God knew that it was going to hurt if, if he asked him for that. Jesus knew his heart in asking him for that. But when we come to a place where we're saying, okay, God, I want to give you my first, I want to give you my best, we're coming from a faith-filled place. And when we give in a faith-filled way, God will show us his faithfulness. How much you give is between you and God, but I can tell you through experience that God is faithful. And this isn't a health and wealth thing. This isn't a, hey, let, let me, it's, it's a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme or anything like that where we say, okay, I'm going to give back to God and here's what I expect in return. Because it might not always come back to you the way that you thought it would. The blessings of God come back to us in all kinds of different ways. Not always financial. 
But we're not saying, hey, I'm going to give back to God because I know that he's going to double my investment. It's not a business transaction. It's a faith transaction. And God's always come through for us as a family, and we've seen it in strange ways. And I, my dad was a pastor, and I remember stories that he would share. I've shared some of them before about how God would provide. God always provides if we trust him. And again, it might not always look the way that we think it should, but he will provide for us in the midst of it. The one verse that's often quoted when it comes to giving is Malachi 3, verse 10, which says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough, that there will not be room enough to store it. And think again about where the Israelites were when they were getting this message from God. This message of, of giving our first and, and giving our best to him. They're in the middle of the, the wilderness. They probably didn't have much to begin with. And they might have been saying, like, let me just get settled in the promised land, God, and then I'll give you what I need to give you. Let life kind of stabilize a little bit. Not, you know, I don't know how many times any of you have said that before, but here's what I've learned. Life never stabilizes. Like, as much as we always say, like, if I can just get to that point, like, when I get to that point and one thing stabilizes, about three or four other, go, other places, like, go crazy in my life. And I'm like, okay, well, now this is stable. Look, look at the chaos over here. Are, are we willing, in the midst of even that chaos, to say, okay, God, like, you're Lord over this chaos. And you're Lord over all that I have, and I'm going to give it to you, my best. You know, giving isn't just financial either. It's giving of our time, giving of our talents. Are we giving back to God our first and our best in our time, in our talents, in our resources? Are we saying, hey, God, like after I do all this after I get done with sports, after I get done with school, after I get done with work, after I get done with my hobbies, then I'll give you what's left over. Are we saying, okay, I'm going to carve out time so, and, and space so that I can give back to you, God, because I know that everything that I have has come from you. And so what do we do with all this? First question I think to ask ourselves is how are we treating others, especially those who are in the margins? Or are we treating them well? Are we treating the widows and the orphans and others in such a way that, that people see Jesus in us? And second question is are, are we giving to God first? Are we saying, hey, before I do anything else, God, this is yours. Take it. And, and use it. And then are we giving God our best? And, and I can say, again, this has been a journey for me. And I don't always get it right. Like, there are plenty of times that I think I'm giving back to God out of the, the leftovers of my life. And I'm not saying, hey, God, take what's best 
first. I'm saying, okay, God, here's what's left over, and, and you can have this. And so know that, first of all, there's grace in the midst of it, that God meets us where we are, and, and, and it's a journey. We talked about the spiritual life as a journey, that we don't start right on top of the mountaintop and say, hey, I'm knocking it out of the park right out of the gate. No, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to start small. We've got to start consistently. And as we do that, we grow, and God grows our faith. And then eventually we might come to a place where we really see that there's a lot more faith in what we're doing and what we're giving. And we see God's faithfulness return to us in the midst of that. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for the ways that you provide for us. God, it's hard to trust you when there's so many things that are vying for our, our resources, our time, our talents, our finances. God, show us more and more every day how to trust you. Show us how to give back to you. And, and show us, Father, your faithfulness as you fill us with faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Test me in this and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there'll not be room enough to store it. Can you imagine the blessings that we would have at the floodgates of heaven were thrown open like this. You know, giving in faith, it's not easy. It's been a journey for me in my own life, but I've seen God's faithfulness and the blessings that he gives when we trust him and when we put him first. What's stopping you from trusting God and putting him first in life and in the area of giving? Are you giving to God first or once you feel like everything else is taken care of? Does God get what's best or does God get what's left over? Lots of things for us to think about as we go off into our week. I really encourage you to pray along these lines and see what God does. Take baby steps and ask him for a little more faith every day to trust him with all that you have. I can tell you from my experience, he does not disappoint. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening.